Last week, we uh, finished up a message that I, it was called The Mysteries. You know, we looked at the mystery of lawlessness. And you know, the answer to lawlessness is the great mystery of godliness. And we talked about that. The week, or a couple weeks before that, we looked at the mystery of Babylon. Great. The harlot. You know, there's a lot of things happening on our watch. You know that, don't you? And, but we're not to be asleep as others sleep. We're to be awake. We better be awake. Redeeming the time because the scripture says the days are evil. So we want to be about occupying. We want to be about doing the will of the Father. Do you know on that day well, what will determine is did you do the will of the Father? And I know Bob taught us did you learn to love and you know, but many things, of course, did you know Jesus? That's pretty big in God's uh, calendar of events. Did you know Jesus? Did you know my son? But also, did you do the will of the Father? And that's in Matthew chapter 7. But we've been looking at the book of Revelation. I found that there's some that they don't want to go to the book of Revelation. Well, God will take them whether they want to go or not. Because the revelation is happening. It's unfolding. Now, we know the revelation is ultimately about Jesus, the unveiling, the revealing. He is going to be known. And every eye will see him. They, they're going to know that he is exactly who he said he was and is. He is, he was, he is to come. And, uh, but... You know, there are also some events that are going to unfold during the time of the revelation. So it would be wise to know what God's word says. Somebody kind of hinted around recently that, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't even know about all these things going on. And my response is, well, you better not read a lot of what Jesus said about the times because he had a lot to say about the last days. In fact, he wrote a whole book. He wrote a whole, he wrote a lot. Well, he didn't write it. The Holy Spirit spoke it. Godly men moved by the Spirit recorded exactly what the Lord wanted recorded. And we get to read it, which is totally amazing. Now, to help us understand what's happening in Israel, I want to just pick up on something and then we're going to go to uh, some things that I felt like the Lord said to release. But I, I want you to look over again, just kind of review, so we won't be caught off guard. You don't want to be off guard. You don't want to be out of step. No, you do want to be out of step. Because that is one of the books I read before any of this stuff began happening, how they wanted everyone on the planet to be in lockstep. To be obedient and compliant so that you'll be good, faithful, I guess, worshipers of the beast. Because Revelation says the whole world will worship and follow the beast. How's that going to happen? You're going to have to prepare them. 
except for one group of people. Who is that? Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Anyway, I'm so excited we get to live in this hour. How many of you are excited? Although the other day, Shirley looked at me and said, when are we going to wake up? And I looked at her and said, that would be a good plan. Maybe we could wake up and all of this would just go away. But that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit and he gave us the word. We must know the word of God. Remember what we said, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, I will not send the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit. In other words, we came to the conclusion, it's, I think it's not taking the scripture out of context, and that is because of the Holy Spirit, we are always at the advantage. The odds are always in our favor, always, to take that quote from the Hunger Games. The Hunger Games, we're not going to talk about that. I'd rather not play that game. But Jesus said, I have food of which you know not. And I have a feeling that God's going to be faithful to his people. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. And I find myself saying, God, did you mean all these things? I guess we're going to get to watch God be God. Somebody told me one time, they said, you know, God does a whole lot better of being God than you. So why don't you let him be who he says he is? And we're going to let him be. Now, look, let me just show you this in Revelation chapter 17. Because we need to understand this is an amazing scripture in verse 9. You almost have to read it in secret in some religious settings today it says here's the mind which is wisdom the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits looks like to me that this harlot is going to have a place of prominency toward the end of the age and then if you look down in verse 12 the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdoms yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. It looks like to me that there are going to be men overseeing nations who will actually be like dictators, but they will get their authority from the beast. They'll actually give their power. They'll get it all from him. But I like that you know, amount of time, one hour, they will be given authority for one hour. That doesn't mean literally one 60-minute segment, but it doesn't mean they get to have authority and power for eternity. It is limited time, but for a limited time, they will have their say with the beast. And then verse 13, these are of all of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. And they're being raised up right now all over the earth. Those that stood up for truth are being removed. Those that, who will cooperate with the spirit of this age are being given a platform. Now, if you don't see this, you need to ask God to open our eyes. 
And then in verse 14, these will make war with the lamb. And then I really like the next part. And the lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. And then he said, the waters which you saw, the harlot sitting on these multitudes, nations, and tongues. In other words, this is a grand global affair. I've never seen a time like this where every nation on earth is being affected by what's happening. Maybe it's happened somewhere, but not in my lifetime. And then verse 17, for God has put it into their hearts that this I like too. It's one of those hidden verses you need to know that's there. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill whose purpose? They think they're fulfilling their purpose. Or whoever they serve. No, God's purpose. To be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast. Until the words of God are fulfilled. Not the dictates of man, but the word of God. Now stay with me. And then verse 18, why does that have to be here? And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. You know that great city, if you want to know who that is, you can look back. We'll save this for another time, but I'll just open a can of worms. Revelation 11:8. The two witnesses will be slain, their bodies laying in the street of that great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Gomorrah and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. In other words, before the new Jerusalem comes, the present Jerusalem is going to play a vital role of which most men have somehow skipped over. And I don't know how they skipped over it. Maybe because... The enemy had a plan and a plot. What's new? The enemy has plans for our lives every day to mess it up. That's a good thing. If the enemy doesn't have a plan to mess you up, then God probably hadn't done much to fix you up. Because you're not a threat unless you really belong to Jesus Christ. If you belong to him in this life, you will face tribulation, you, you might even have to suffer for the faith and for the cause of Christ to see if you really are one of his or not. Okay, enough of rambling. Some of you are saying, okay, get on with something else. Jeremiah chapter 14. Go with me if you would. This is a glorious time to live. You need to convince yourself of that and convince the person next to you. Look at somebody and say, this is a glorious time to live on the earth. I'll show you later on how that is, is true. But you, you don't, you're the choir. You guys are convinced you wouldn't come to this church because you wouldn't want to hear some things. I'm just being honest. That's one of my disappointments in many of my brothers. They only tell the people what the people want to hear. They must, there's a whole lot in this book that some people just soon pretends not there. 
maybe bring an eraser with them when they preach and they can just erase parts of it. Milton Green, one of my mentors years ago, he literally would bring a gigantic pencil to the pulpit. And he would, his, his mode of preaching is he would just read the scripture. And I've told you, those are the days I was in my 20s and I'd go wherever Texas, I didn't know Mississippi, wherever, I'd, I'd go to hear the Milton Green in the Word seminars. And he would just read the scripture. And it was the days that he would read, and it was like fire was coming out of the pulpit, out of the Bible. And I'm sitting out there, and the fire of God would just explode in my heart, and I was just being set ablaze by the Word of God. But sometimes Milton would bring this gigantic pencil, and he would read things that people didn't believe was there, or they didn't want to know was there. So he'd say, how, okay, let's just erase that part, and he would... But how many of you know erasing it's not going to work? The traditions of men are about to be exposed on a grand scale. Because they are a stench in the nostril of God. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 14. Now we also read this scripture last week. And uh, I went back to it and I thought, wow, that's good scripture. That's not one of the ones you just want to read at the beginning. You need to really look at a little bit as to what it has to say. So I went back and looked because we need, we need the whole counsel of God's word. But look in verse 7. Or basically, just to give you a review, Judah was mourning their gates. Those who were sitting in the gate were weak-willed and they were withering away. And there was a cry from Jerusalem. That had gone up, the ground was parched, there was no rain. And we know that rain was a symbol of the blessing of God. Remember 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, is in the context of verse 13 that says, If I withhold the rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, if my people, and we know that, in context, you have to look at the whole, both scriptures. But anyway, verse 7, O Lord, now this is a scripture I think that fits with us. O Lord, though our iniquities testify against us. How many of you know our iniquities do testify against us in this hour? They testify against us, but then look what Jeremiah says. Do it. I'm going to come back there. Do it for your name's sake. For our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. Oh, the hope of Israel, his Savior in the time of trouble. And there's only one hope and there's only one Savior. But I like that statement in verse 7. Do it. And if I had a title... Because you have to figure out a title because we send this to many places. So you have to figure out whatever you said had to have some kind of a title to it. I remember one guy in seminary preaching on the subject of amen. It was one of the most glorious messages I ever heard. I said that was the title, amen. He went through all the amens. You'd be shocked at how many amens are in the Bible. I didn't think we'd ever get out of there, Amen. But this man could do it. He was one of those 
African Americans had trumpeted God's truth. When he spoke, people listened. You know, that was back in the days where they have E.F. Hutton. Remember, how many of you remember E.F. Hutton? When people, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Well, isn't it amazing today when God speaks, very few listen. But they will listen again. They will. And this is what Jeremiah was praying. In the midst of the chaos, and the, you could read the t- topic, the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. Probably just three of the things going on. But Jeremiah says, God, do it. God, do it. He was saying, although we've sinned greatly, and our backslidings are many, and our sins testify against us, God, do it. Now, I've heard people say, God, why don't you do something about what's going on? Why don't you do something about it? And then I've heard other people say, well, I wonder if God's sitting up there saying, he's not sitting up there. I don't like that phrase. He's with us. He's in us. But I wonder if God's not saying, hey, I made you. Go you do something about it. Well, there's some things we can do, but there's some things, or all things God can do, and we need God to do it. And you know, Jesus wanted us to remember the times in which we're living. He didn't want us to be caught off guard. And uh, remember John 16. This is like a review. He said, I told you these things were going to happen so that when they come to pass, you would not be made to stumble. Stumble means fall away. Become disillusioned. Become embittered. Some people are going to grow bitter towards God because they do not understand what God has said is going to happen. And Jesus said, I gave, I told you about these things so you would not be made to stumble. And then over in Second uh, Timothy, I want to read, look over there real quick. This is from the Passion Translation. Some people said the Passion is not really a Bible, it's a translation. Because it may not be exactly correct, but which one of them is exactly correct? You know, there's still folks in this county that you better, if you go to their church, you better preach King James only. And we always get a, that's okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not offended. But God's a little bit bigger than thou's and does. And he's bigger than any translation. He's not confined to a translation. He's God. He wrote it all. Man better learn to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Anyway, just listen to this. Out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, because it explains the days, and we were told all about them. And then I'm going to get to some points that we need to understand. I believe will be an encouragement. Say encouragement. You know, we don't want people to be depressed when they leave the gathering. No, woe is me when you go out the door. It's wow is God. Wow. God is wow. He's going to wow us one more time. But you need to be aware. That's how that scripture starts in the Passion, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves, obsessed with money. The root of all, the love of money. Follow the money trail. 
said they will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their own desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery. The King James says traitors. There will be traitors. And they will act without restraint. Remember we looked at lawlessness The law was not created for the righteous. The law was created for the wicked, to put a restraint on wickedness. The law for us has been written in our heart to release us to obey the Holy Spirit. The law is in us. It's the law of God. But what's happened today as we we spoke about this, today men are trying to restrain the righteous and release the wicked calling good evil and evil good. It's just the opposite. There's a restraint on wickedness today. No, on righteousness. A a release toward wickedness. Anyway, bigoted. They call us bigots. Yet the Bible says, it's coming from a different source, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their own conceit. And they will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. Now, in the um, Passion, the subtitle of the book of 2 Timothy is Urgency. That's what I look at these meetings like right now. This is an urgent hour, and many are sound asleep. So what does the Bible Say that God will do. I mean, the title ultimately, it's urgent, is a secondary title. But God do it, God do it. What does the Bible say God will do, but especially, not only now, but especially in the times in which we've entered and the circumstances that we're going to find ourselves in? So I looked in the scripture, this came to me. So I'm going to just let it rip, okay? Here's what he said. Number one, he's going to do what he's promised. God do it? Okay. He will do what he's promised. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent or change. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Have you ever made a promise and you broke it? Have you ever had someone make you a promise and they broke it? And it broke your heart. They used to, I asked Shirley, did they still do this today? Do guys still give promise rings? They do do that. I, I gave a girl a promise ring and I remember taking it back. <laughs> and I remember a whole bunch of them that gave it back to me. My heart was broken. Because you did what you did, you got. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. But You know, we break promises because that's who we are. We are not capable. We're human beings. You know we're fragile, but we, there are things we might promise that we're just not capable of doing what we said we would do. You know what I'm talking about. We're limited. 
things change. I'm so glad that God doesn't change. God's intentions are always good. Say always good. He's a good, good father. Even if he has to take you into the woodshed, that just proves you're one of the sons of God. That just means you belong to him. Because if he did not discipline you, you would be illegitimate. But anyway, God is not a man that he should lie. For all, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are what? Yes. And in him, in him, amen. To the glory of God through us. So it sounds like in that scripture, God gets a lot of glory when his people, his children, walk out and in the promises that he's given them. That God gets glory. Now, just a couple of the promises we probably shouldn't forget in this hour. Is that promise I've heard all my life, and, but we need to hear it. Maybe that's why we've been hearing it over and over and over. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You could be in the deepest, darkest dungeon in Uganda. Because I have a lot of friends that watch from Uganda. You know about that weekly crusade. You could be in a deep, dark dungeon, but God would not turn his back on you. Now, um, we watched a movie called Sophie's School. And I, we don't watch a lot of movies, but this one I, someone encouraged, and it was about Nazi Germany. And the, many of the Germans were slaughtered as well especially those who stood for truth. And the movie, you can look it up, it's on YouTube, it's a free movie, Sophie's School. It's horror. I mean, you know, you can barely, it's in German, but they have the English words at the bottom. But anyway, you might just see what's in the Nazi mindset. But anyway, they're meeting in this room in quiet. You know, you think about it. We have smart TVs. We have Alexis. We have, all, we have cell phones. How could they have done anything if they lived where we live today in secret? Well, we're going to need some help, God. We're going to need, whoa, we need a lot of help. Well, anyway, they're in this room, and they're typing out on an old typewriter. And I like that because my dad, that's how we made a living. My dad sold typewriters. They used to be underwood typewriters. Just the old time, you know, you push it back, you know. And, and that's what sent me to college, sent me to seminary. I mean, that was it, underwood typewriters. So anyway, they're typing out this flyer that they want to distribute to try to wake up the people of Germany. They're sound asleep as to the danger. And of all those who were being slaughtered, that they, they didn't even know were being slaughtered. They didn't even know. Many of them denied the Holocaust. They didn't know it was taking place. Well, so many of them did. They just didn't want to face the truth. So anyway, they wanted to get the word out and try to stir up a revolt among the German people. 
So one of the brothers said, let's go to the university. Surely students will awaken and let's put the flyers maybe on the ledges, you know, around certain places. So the students after class, because when they went to the university, nobody was walking through the halls. Nobody dare walk through the hall, I guess. But anyway, they're passing, and it's a true story. So they're putting stacks of these flyers, trying to awaken the people to cause a revolt, to stand up before it's too late. And then they get to the bottom floor, and Sophie says, oh, I still have some flyers in my, my suitcase. He said, well, we can't go home with them. So they go back up to the top floor and put them out, and Sophie then pushes a bunch of them off one of the ledges, so it, it fills the hall with hundreds of flyers. Well, wouldn't you know, because they go back up, they come down, they get caught. Or the bell rings. And I, anyway, they're caught. They're brought into the German court. It was not a fair... There's no due process in the courts of hell. He does what he says he does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So anyway, they go through the process. Her, her brother, because they have to discover how this even came to pass. Her and the brother, and I guess the guy that owned the typewriter maybe, but anyway, they all three are condemned to death. And they send them out. They didn't give them a chance and they tried, they collected all the flyers. And then the movie ends with her facing her death. I had no idea that's how the Nazis killed people. I knew they hung them, they shot them. I didn't know they beheaded them. Sounded like the book of Revelation to me. And we had to get over that. Shirley was quite shocked. I was too, I wasn't expecting but it's the Nazi spirit. It's what Nazis do because of the Satanism that is under the occult. Anyway, they, um, they're done away with. But right before, she, her mom, they, they grant her a visit from her mother and father. And her mother looks at Sophie and says, Sophie, don't forget Jesus. In other words, don't deny Jesus. She looked at her mom said, you don't forget Jesus. In other words, I'm not going to deny him. I will not deny my Lord. And she didn't. But anyway, the movie ends as you're reading the script. And what happened? It's a true story. Their life was not in vain. One of the students picked up one of the flyers, took it home with them, gave it to one of the allied soldiers somehow, some way. They brought it back. They let him out of a big airplane. They, took, they flew over a certain, was it Berlin or some city? We don't know where. But they let go all of those flyers. And it gave the people hope. That hope was on the way. And it gave them courage to stand against the Nazi regime. God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You know, in this hour, you can have a different political view and you can be tossed out of your family gatherings. What did I just say? The quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, 
dared challenge the system. He just said something very simple. And they, now they didn't fire him from the Packers. They're not going to go that far. They got to win. But some health group said, that's it. We're ending our relationship with you. Because you dare to stand up for the truth. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You remember that movie, The Castaway? This is the movie hour at the gathering. <laughs> I, I like that movie. He's what if FedEx plane goes into the, the water. Somehow he ends up on this deserted island. And uh, he does pretty good, you know, trapping and fishing and building a shelter. He has a toothache. I remember how he had to pull a tooth. I thought, Lord, if that ever happens to me, please take me on, Lord. I just could not do that. I don't know that I could do that. Come and get me, please. Anyway, he's lonely. Lonely. This soccer ball floats up. He's got Wilson. The ball has Wilson, so he names the ball Wilson. And Wilson's a good listener, but he doesn't say anything back. And anyway, one time, remember, he lost Wilson, broke his heart. Wilson! Wilson! Well, you may lose Wilson, but God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. We better know that. You know, James 4.14 says, what is man's life? It is even like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Your life will be over one day. I don't know when. Will you be one that gives their life in this hour? I don't know. I've always felt there would be martyrs in America. There have probably been more martyrs than we know. We just don't know their names. And the situations have somehow been hidden. Another promise is he will lead us in a way where there seems to be no way. That's a good one you want to hang on to. Because what if you were like the children of, of Israel? You get out of Egypt, out of the bonds of Pharaoh. You're marching through the wilderness in, the route, in route to the promised land or the promises of God. And all of a sudden you come up against the Red Sea. The Egyptians change their mind. No, Pharaoh changes his mind. He releases hell against them. They're in pursuit. And you're stuck. You have nowhere to go. You better know God in that hour. And I'm telling you, you will. Because our God is the same God that Noah, when he raised his hand, I don't know, that said in the movie he raised his hand, I don't know what he did in real life. But the water split. And the wind, the finger of God, made a way where there seems to be no way. And he's going to make a way. You know, if you understand what's happening right now, I thank God for the little court that stood and resisted the mandate. All of them are unconstitutional. Not even close to being constitutional. But anyway, there's one judge that stood up. And I thank God for that. We got to pray for protection, whether it's one or a few of them, and that, you know, the federal judiciary, however that works, we pray that God will deliver them from evil. 
And every tongue that rises in judgment, we declare condemned in Jesus' name. That's what the Bible says. That's the heritage of the saints. We have to walk that out. But we know the battle's not over with just one little bitty. It, it was a little hope, though. But our God is the God that can do far more. And that's the next thing. God will do what is impossible with man. Because it looks impossible right now for our nation. But nothing is impossible with our God. Remember Matthew 19. Jesus is telling the, the account of the rich young ruler. You know, he tried to keep all the commands. And he had from his youth. But he had many great possessions. And because his, the possessions had him more than he had them. He went away sad. Look, look, look over at Matthew 19 real quick. I want to read that because it's important for us to see, beginning with verse 23. Everybody's still with me this morning. Okay, verse 23 and uh, verse 19. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man, because he's speaking about what the rich young ruler to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now I know there's all kinds of interpretations. I'm just going to take it at face value. That looks pretty difficult to me, for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle, regardless of all the various interpretations. And when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished. They obviously, to them, it looked pretty impossible. And they said, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Somebody once, I heard them preach on that, and they said, you know what all things means? It means all things. It doesn't mean, yeah, but God. But God, do you not know how difficult this is? It means all things. Nothing is impossible. I learned a long time ago. It's one of the lessons I learned in my journey. I can't. But God can. So I learned. You should say. I know some people say, don't say you can't. No, I can't. I can when God is with me. And I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. But regardless, I may be at my weakest point. My God still can. My God can. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter what I've done. It, my failures. God is faithful. Though I fail him, God is faithful. I like this scripture, 2 Thessalonians 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And you, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. And then number three, God will do that which no one looked or expected. I really like this one. I like them all, but look over in Jeremiah. Oh, I'm sorry. The book of Habakkuk real quick. And we've looked at the scripture before, but I just was redrawn there to... Remember what's happening. And in Habakkuk chapter 1, it was the burden which the prophet saw. Some things you see, will, you will have a burden. 
because it's, it's heavy. And he said, oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And you not hear, even cry out to you, violence. He was saying, God, have you not noticed the lawlessness, the violence? Have you not noticed they disdain your laws? He says, and how long will I cry out and you will, you will not save? Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. And there's strife and contention arises. And the law, therefore the law is powerless. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked are surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. You see the wicked are surrounding the righteous. And they're gnashing their teeth. This is our day. And they're angry, their hatred against God and against his anointed. But then verse 5 is a great scripture. Look among the nations. This, is, this was what God spoke to him. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days. Which you would not even believe though it were told you. Now we've looked at the context. I'm not skipping the context. I'm just focusing on the principle of verse 5. That our God will do what is utterly astounding. Because our God can do what's impossible. Now you remember. The, the Lord told Jeremiah in all of this. That you must remember the just shall live by faith. This may not happen overnight. You know we live in an instant society. God fix us. Fix me now. Fix America today. How many of you know he's, how do you know he's not in the process? The just shall live by their faith. And it may take a little time. And then again, we may be in Revelation. And that will prove. But our God is going to prove himself. Now, after, I think I've shared with you, but. After seminary, remember I told you I sent resumes out. I didn't know how, how you get a church. What do you do? All I knew, you send resumes. So I sent resumes to Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, Missouri, Arkansas, Texas, Florida, South Carolina. I don't know, all in the southeast. I'm a southeastern guy, except Mississippi. I did not want to go to Mississippi because I was an LSU fan and I, I did not like Ole Miss. I did not want to go to Mississippi. And that's where God sent me. To Mississippi. But the reason was to live next door to, I shared with you, Mrs. Boone. She was like, the, she was my spiritual mom. And she had a relationship with Jesus. And as a, you know, at a seminary, I'd, I'd go to her kitchen table and she'd say, David, God spoke to me last night in a dream about you. And she'd tell me things that I'd thought about. How'd she know? What, what's, what kind of relationship does she have with God? Real, when she prays, there was power in her prayer. You know what I mean? It was none of this, now I lay me down to sleep stuff. This was serious and Miss Boone adapted me, adopted me as her son. 
because she looked at me as a miracle because she had a son that was, what was he, eight, seven, eight, ten, that went, they lived on a highway in the, between Monticello and Tylertown, Mississippi, and he went to get the mail. And as he was crossing back across the road, he was struck and killed. And Miss Boone had been grieving for all these years. And then I show up, and I would have been the exact same age as her son, so she had, I became her son. But if there's one verse, Miss Boone, if she shared this verse one time, I'm telling you, she shared it with me hundreds. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do, say do, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. And she didn't want me to forget that verse. I know she was on assignment that I would never forget Ephesians 3.20. And I believe the voice of Miss Boone crying out from the great cloud. Do not forget. Now unto him who is able to do abundantly, exceedingly above all that you ask or think. According to the power that is at work within us. And then fourthly, God will do what he's always done. Some people think God only helps those that help themselves. That better not be true. Because there's some things I cannot help myself. I have, I, there's no way we can get out of the predicament we are in as a nation by the logic or men, the money, whatever. It's not the hand of men. It's the hand of God. And if he, we'll look at this later. You can read it, but it's Ephesians chapter 13, verses 5 through 8. And it speaks about Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever he did on the earth when he was here, he's doing on the earth today. And should the earth last for another how many years he will still be doing through his people that's why he said he said so your advantage i go away i'm going sitting at the right hand of the father but i'm sending the holy spirit that's why we are always at an advantage and we always can help people get to their advantage which is looking to him he is their savior he's their hope and God will do what he's always done. Some people think that he just dropped us off on planet earth. Now you fix it. You figure it out. No. He's with us. And he's in us. And then the next thing is God will do what he pleases. I like that one. God will do. That's what it says. That's found over in Psalm 115 verse 3. But our God is in heaven. What I think he means by that is mere men are on the earth. They're mere men. But God rules and reigns. And our God does whatever he pleases. People say God can't do that. You don't know my God. He does what he pleases. Look over this. We've got to read this though. Psalm 135. This 
It's basically repeating what we're speaking about, but look in verse 5, for I know that the Lord is great. How many of you know the Lord is great? God is good. God is great. Let us thank him. It's good. I know that the Lord is great. And our God is above all gods. The gods of the Nazis, the gods of the Khmer Rouge, the communists, the Marxists. Our God is the God above all gods. And whatever the Lord pleases, he does. So he repeats that in heaven and in earth. He's the one, verse 7, you can just see, he's the one that causes. He's the one that makes. At the end of verse 7, he's the one that brings the wind out of its treasuries. God, bring another wind out of your treasury. Verse 8, he destroyed the firstborn of Egypt. He sent, verse 9, he sent signs and wonders in the midst of Egypt. Verse 10, he defeated many nations and slew many kings. And all those kings that are gathered over in the book of Revelation, you're going to have to answer to our God one day. Verse 12, and he gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his people. Verse 13, your name, O Lord, endures forever, and your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. And then God will do what we can't do for ourselves, and we really have already spoken about that. But remember Psalm 60, it, is it not you, O God, who cast us off? Did you hear that? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And you, O God, who did not go out with our armies, give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. And I just want to remind the elite of the earth, you can't fix the planet. You can't fix these things that are happening. You think you can fix them, but our God can. You can't save a nation. And all your plans eventually will go up in smoke. You will get away with what you are doing for a short time, one hour. I don't know what that hour means. But our God is God. And he will rule and reign. And he will, he will be who he says he is. And then Hebrews chapter 10, 7, he, Jesus, I think this is the last one. He came to do the Father's will. Remember he said, Hebrews 10, 7, then I said, behold, I have come. It is written in the volume of the book. I have come to do your will, O God. Where, what book is he talking about? It was written in his heart, the books, I'm sure they're going to be books. I know books. The books are going to be open one day. And the dead will be judged according to their works. Those books, but he said it's written in the volume. I think he said it's written in my heart. I've come to do your will, O God. And we know that, you know, in the Old Testament, they, they had to slaughter bulls and calves and animals 
Once a year, they would enter the holiest of holies. But then Jesus came once and for all to offer his life a sacrifice forever. His blood was shed. And he said, remember, Lord, Father, he's Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I found myself praying that prayer in this hour. If you know what's really happening, you'll pray it too. Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But you won't stop there. You'll say the rest of the prayer, which is nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I have a feeling that's what Sophie said in her own heart. Because she was told they would, the Nazis would give them 99 days in the prison cell before they would execute, they would carry out the sentence. The moment she walked in, the guard said, I would write the letter to your family quickly. What the enemy will seek to do, he knows he only has a short time. And he will be about it quickly and swiftly but his day is coming to an end his doom is sure because our God is God and when it's all said and done it's not the words of men that will be remembered it'll be the word of our God that is what will last and endure throughout the ages and maybe the greatest promise right now and the promise that America needs to know most of all is for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life it's the gift of salvation Lord I thank you though our iniquities are testify against us you are the God who will do it and you have done it in the person of Jesus Christ thank you that you sent your son and he was tempted at all points just like us and yet he never sinned and then he gave his life the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God and I thank you, God, you can bring individuals and you can bring nations. And we pray, Lord, for our own nation and the nations of the earth. If possible, take this cup from us. But nevertheless, not our will. May your will be done. And I thank you, God, it's your will now that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I thank you for the clarion call and for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that will be poured out across this land and the lands of the earth one more time. And now is that hour. And you said this gospel of the kingdom 
will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. A witness. A witness. And then the end shall come. So Lord, I ask you to encourage people in this place this morning. And I pray, Lord, for those that are watching. And maybe someone that's in this room right now. If you need a savior, I would not wait much longer. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day the Holy Spirit is convicting. And we've already purposed to always give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Because there will come a day that gospel will not be heard as loudly as it is right now. And we must work the works while it is day. So if you want to know Jesus, Alicia, would you go ahead, please? And um, I want to pray with you. Um, If you're watching, if you're in this room, say, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Well, what must I do to be saved? Well, you don't trust in riches. You don't trust in your own ability to get there. You don't trust in some family member's relationship. How many people have met somebody? Hey, man, do you know Jesus? Well, my dad was a preacher. Whoop-de-doo. You know, that's what I think. I don't tell them that. Whoop, wow, that's wonderful. But what about you? Who do you say the Son of Man is? And so you got to know him. you got to admit that you need him. you got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. You repent. That means change. It means you make a, an about face. You're no longer going to live for the one you lived for yourself. You're going to live for the king of glory. And then you receive him by faith. The Bible says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? I remember reading that in the context of the spiritual gifts. And it's like the Holy Spirit told me, what do you think all these spiritual gifts are for? For the grand finale, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is that hour for great salvation. So I'm going to pray with you if if you want to pray this prayer. You don't pray after a man exactly the words of a man. I'm just helping. We're just helping. But you got to mean this in your heart. And upon the authority of God's word, you will be saved. You'll walk out or you'll go home. You'll turn this off having known the Savior and knowing that you're secure. You're going to heaven. And then I'm going to pray for everybody for supernatural strength because you're going to need it. There's a reason he said the just shall live by faith. Because things don't happen instantly. And there's a process. But I want to pray. Just say, dear God, just pray with me out loud. I I know we we like to do this just to encourage our brothers, sisters. Say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus. That he is the son of God. That he died on the cross. And he rose from the dead. I need a Savior. My iniquities testify against me. But I thank you. The blood of Jesus covers me and cleanses me. And I receive forgiveness. And I call on you as my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart.
God has raised his son from the dead. And I confess him now with my mouth. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. For the rest of my life, use me for your glory. I yield and surrender to you. And I follow you from this moment on. And I thank you for saving me. Now use me in my nation. Use me in my, with my family. Let me be a witness for you. I was going to pray this. And I paused. I felt like the Holy Spirit said pause. Because they don't want to pray this unless they mean it. So we said, let, let me be a witness for you. And I'm going to let, lead you in one more little phrase. Use me, just wait, hear it first. Use me as a witness for you, even as you did Sophie School in Germany. Here am I, send me. That's what I'm going to lead you in prayer. Only pray it if you mean it. Use me as a witness for you. Even as you used Sophie. May your will be done. And I thank you, Jesus. I want to just pray for supernatural strength. I feel like every time I come here, feel like you better give them all you got, son, because this may be your last shot. I don't know. I don't know what all that means. I just know he tells me since when I was a young, probably about the time I met Miss Boone, I would always pray every time I preach, I'd say, God, let me preach as if it's the last time I will ever stand up for you. Let me preach as if it's the last time someone will ever hear the gospel. And let me preach as if it's your voice that's being heard and not mine. So I want to pray that God will supernaturally give you great strength. Ohio needs you, needs the testimony that you're going to bring and carry. China needs you. you are you from China? Are you going back? Are you here? I don't know, but wherever you are, you your sphere of influence needs you. Those guys over in Raleigh. But we need, we need to be a witness for him. This is our time. So Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. Just receive, open your hand. Just receive. Just say, Lord, I receive from you. Lord, I pray for everyone. I pray in the name of your son Jesus for a deposit from heaven of great faith. Faith. The gift of faith. That in the in-between times, before the promises are realized, I thank you there will be a sustaining grace 
and an enabling power that men never gave us and men can't take away from us. I thank you, God, that you will be faithful and you will never turn your back on your people. And I ask you for supernatural grace and strength that comes from above. Wisdom from above. Because you give abundantly, liberally, beyond reproach. Lord, I thank you that you're going to show everyone in this room and all those that are watching that this salvation you called us to is far greater than we have ever dreamed. And there's going to be a, like a revealing of how great this salvation is alongside the revealing of how great Jesus the revelation of Jesus will be made known in all the earth. And we give you praise. We honor you. And I pray, Lord, fill people with hope. Fill them with love. God, if there's anybody in here that feels unloved, I ask you to erase that and let them be overwhelmed by the love of God. And if anyone's sad, let joy. Lord, they're going to put a bunch of banners around here about the 12 Moravian wells we didn't even know existed. I don't need, gotta be one of them speaks of joy. So let a well of joy break up, break out, to drive the devil bonkers. That a people could be filled with such joy in an hour like this. Hallelujah. Do it. That's that's how I want to end. Do it, God. Do it, God. That was Jeremiah's prayer. On the count of three, say, do it, God, all right? You guys online, this is the way we'll say goodbye. On one, two, three. Do it, God. In Jesus' name. Well, we're going to have some people praying around the altar. If you need prayer this morning, someone to agree with you, you come and we'll pray. And um, God bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday and we'll see you again.